president gets upset about something, he tweets something, uh, then a suit is filed and we've beaten him back three times. And yet he just keeps, even though he loses, he just keeps appealing. Sounds that familiar? very <laughs> familiar, Brian, your case. And, and you, when we saw it in your case and in Jim's case and in Mary Trump's case, uh, three of my favorite clients um, <laughs> where the um, President Trump and his legal team and his aiders and abettors, for lack of a better phrase, I'll call them that, they have no conception as to what a frivolous, or maybe they do, but they, they have no uh, hesitation about taking frivolous legal positions. And I think President Trump, when he was Donald Trump, the, the business guy, soon to be that again, used litigation more as just a stalling tactic and a, and a bludgeon to try to bleed people like Tim O'Brien, the journalist, filed a libel suit and later said, um, hey, you know, I lost, but I made him spend a lot of money, you know, and that's, that's the definition of what we call vexatious litigation. And, um, and it's just not right. I, I think that's kind of what they're thinking they can do now. It's not going to work in a presidential election. No, and there's, you know, a certain amount of time before the election has to be certified. And it's not going to be overturned. I, I doubt, <clears throat> you tell me, I, I doubt that this ends up before the Supreme Court. Everybody's worried about that because he's got a six to three majority. But I don't see how they could take this to the Supreme Court. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, they, they've been, again, nibbling at the edges yesterday on Friday. They filed a request with Justice Alito, who's the circuit justice for uh, the, the Third Supreme, Circuit where yeah. Philadelphia is. And, and basically, here's how you, you guarantee you win. You ask the Supreme Court to order something that is already happening. You know, so they asked them to have the Secretary of State of Pennsylvania segregate those any late return ballots, which they were already doing. And Justice <laughs> yeah. Alito was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, and that's it. And so um, the, the Supreme Court, look, I have a lot of, as a lawyer, I have a lot of faith in the Supreme Court and people can, Me too. can argue about, you know, sort of different views on different topics. Supreme Court is not going to do uh, anything other than apply the law. And there's just no claim here. This isn't like Bush versus Gore, where you had one state right. And, and there, of course, as James Baker pointed out the other day, uh, they weren't trying to stop the counting of votes. They were, the, the votes had been counted and recounted. And then there was a question of how long it could go on and whether more things could happen. And the Supreme Court said, no, that, 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 the time, that, that was it. That's not what the Trump campaign has been trying to do. First, they wanted to stop vote counting, which is unheard Except of. In the places where they behind, exactly. they wanted to continue the vote counting exactly. there. I, 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 came, I said they, they've come up with a new doctrine in the, in the law, um, electoral estoppel. You know, you can't, you know, the courts are going to have to say, you know, you can't ask us to stop in one place where you're winning, uh, where you're losing and, and keep going where you think you're winning. Everybody knows that's just absurd. And, and it's in, in courts, you know, they, they, they've held off, I think, filing, you know, any actual voter fraud claims because they know they'd get thrown out of court and sanctioned because they have no evidence. Well, that's, uh, you know, going back again to the, uh, um, to Pennsylvania. In our case, I mean, he yanked my press pass. We sued, we won uh, a temporary injunction. It went before the full court, we won. They appealed, we won. Then he took it before an in-bank hearing uh, 
and he wanted all of them to rule on it. And to the point, even the uh, justices he appointed to the circuit court in uh, D.C. said, no, you know, we don't want to hear it. So we won unanimously there. It seems like, and that's why the, the guy in, and I don't mention it for my sake, but because of Pennsylvania, that's what he seemed to be alluding to is that even the people that he's appointed uh, are, don't see this as, as a real issue. And to the, and to the point, if you've ever worked uh, an election, and I have, you've got Democrats and Republicans, they're sitting in the same room. They're just trying to count the vote. They, you know, they're just working together. It's like, I got to get done with this shit. It's tedious. I'm, I'm going through it. I'm doing my job. And those are the real heroes in my book. Exactly. I mean, on, on that last point, you know, watching, you know, I've been glued to the, the, the TV for like everybody else. And you see people in the middle of a pandemic, many of them volunteers, yes. Republicans, Democrats, including people who are there quite properly to watch the counting. So we all feel good that it's a transparent process. That's what's been happening. And that's what Donald Trump and his team and his sons and his lawyers have been denigrating. It's the American way. It's, it's, it's the crown jewel that other countries look to and he's trashing it. Uh, and they're good people and they're ri risking their health and safety by doing it. And they're as you said, it's always a good feeling because you've got Republicans and Democrats, they're coming together and we're gonna figure out what the result is. And, and, you, and that leads me to your first point about the judges. And yeah, I hate it when people say, you know, it's a Trump judge or an Obama right. judge. You know, and and just, Chief Justice Roberts made this point a couple of years ago, responding to statements by President Trump really make, that suggested we should think about things that way. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's, I think it's really important for the public to know that as, as lawyers, you know, we, we don't think of it that way. You know, do you think different judges may have different philosophies or approaches, but these are, you know, people of integrity who are going to apply the law. And so in, in the Jim Acosta case, press pass case, we went in temporary restraining order to get Jim's press pass back when President Trump and his team had taken it away improperly and was assigned to a judge who President Trump had appointed. And a lot of the coverage and discussion was, right. you know, it's a Trump appointee. And we were like, hey, the law is clearly on our side. Our favorite case, Cheryl versus Knight, the judge is going to apply the law. We think we're going to win. And, and that's what happened. And then in, in your case, we, we had um, an Obama appointee. And I wasn't thinking, you know, woo, I thought we've now got the Jim Acosta ruling. We've got the Cheryl versus Knight from the DC circuit decision. Uh, and your rights were violated blatantly. The judge is going to apply the law. And then when we went to the DC circuit, unanimous decision, which I think um, amplifies and expands on the important protections that had existed. So it's, you know, the Karen versus Trump is going to be, I've already cited in other cases, by the way. Wow. Um, in, in, we have a case for the, uh, against the Trump administration's efforts to muzzle Voice of America and take away its independence. Yeah. And so we've cited Karen versus Trump in that case. Um, you know, and so the and as you said, the DC circuit, the, you know, that the, those appointees from either side, they're, they're applying the law. And, and so um, I think it, 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 the Trump folks keep pushing things like it's partisan. And I think judges and justices find that offensive. Yeah, I do too. And, but to your point, one of the things I heard from a 
a constitutional attorney who who wasn't you, but <laughs> was a different <laughs> one. Was, but he said that um, what Donald Trump did in the Acosta case, and in particular in my case, was actually strengthen a reporter's rights. That it's further uh, hampered future administrations from coming in and uh, arbitrarily punishing reporters. Your thoughts? Absolutely, I, I totally agree with that because the Cheryl case was from the '70s and. It had not really been applied that frequently. I had been, you know, I've cited it in other types of cases. And when um, I, we started to see uh, the White House press office punishing reporters, remember they kept Caitlin Collins out of a gaggle right. and there, the, you could see it coming. And I remembered this case and, uh, but it wasn't, it's not a well-developed body of law because it's a very unique situation in a sense. So, you know, there's a White House and the White House press corps. Um, and now we've got, two excellent district court decisions, yours and Jim's. And then in your case, as you, as you, you know, in, in, in Jim Acosta's case, they gave up. Yeah. But then they thought they could do better because they thought they had learned some lessons from Acosta when they came to you. <laughs> um, and they were wrong because they, they only read the first two pages of Cheryl versus Knight. They didn't read the <laughs> second part that said you can't you, you have to have clear standards. You can't, you know, just make th make up reasons for for taking away a press pass, and um, and so then to have a D.C. Circuit decision that not only explains and elaborates on what Cheryl versus Knight means, which is that a reporter who has a press pass has a liberty interest to be in the White House and to be treated uh, with due process, uh, but the court also said that the standards for giving or taking away a press pass have to be clear and you can't punish based on sort of vague standards like with you that you right. know, uh, it, it was just it was just absurd there was no basis for taking away your press pass so now we have much stronger law on that issue um going forward and um i i guess this is where we'll we'll take the second part of this conversation after the break but leading up to it going forward what do you think the um, I don't want to say the results, but yeah, the results of the of the Trump administration are on the legal community. Has he strained the legal community? Has he strained the Department of Justice? Can we recover from it if he has? It, it, it the Trump administration has placed great strain uh, on our civil justice system and our criminal justice system in the rule of law. It, it really, I think, is one of the main themes that you're going to see historians talk about. I do think when we can recover, we held it together. You know, we made it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there was no, right. There was no Bill Barr last minute surprise. Yeah. Where know, has surprise. he been? He has, he, he came to his senses and just stayed home and, and, <laughs> and, 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 you know, he's just been silent. And, and that has been, I think his greatest accomplishment in his tenure, because you know, you, you we've seen all these, former Justice Department officials, former White House counsel in Republican administrations, former U.S. attorneys, high-ranking Justice Department officials that I, I knew back when I was in Washington during the Reagan years and the Bush, the first Bush administration, just stalwart Republicans, people of great integrity saying, this is corrupting the Justice Department. This is terrible. The, you know, the threats about the FBI director that you heard, you know, looming, um, he had Steve Bannon suggesting that the Dr. Fauci and Chris yeah. Ray, the director of the FBI, should be beheaded. And this is this is just horrible. 
Um, but the courts, I think, largely have come through. They have, they have done their jobs. You can agree and disagree. Um, but I think the system held. And now I think there's, a, there's an opportunity for a renaissance and a, a, a jubilant rebuilding of the Justice Department, of all those institutions. I think there's a hunger among lawyers uh, to, to get back to adhering to the rule of law, acting in good faith, adhering to due process. You know, and, and I was thinking about this this morning that, you know, I was a part of the team on the DACA decision. Yeah. And we filed out in California, we got a preliminary injunction and we made it all the way to the Supreme Court. And it's been, there's been a stay. They, they, actually, the government didn't push, uh, the injunction precluded the termination of DACA recipients' um, ability to stay in the United States. And now we made it through without Donald Trump revoking DACA. And so now Joe Biden can either reinstate the, um, the executive branch actions that created the DACA program for young people who were brought here um, for, and, and gives them status in the United States, or he can go to Congress and, and get it done and put it into a statute. So I think we can heal the justice, the justice system and the rule of law, but it was a close call. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It was it uh, personally? I I hope at some point in time that going forward, uh, the new administration will not appeal the decision. In my case, <laughs> I think we can persuade them to drop it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they have no. It has nothing to do with them. Uh, it's a, there's no really good. There's act, no basis for seeking Supreme Court review in my uh, in my view. Um, so that'll be one of our first orders of business is to persuade them to do the right thing and drop it. Well, your lips to God's ears. <clears throat> I don't want to be, you know, <laughs> I've spent the last year and a half, uh, you know, uh, and it's funny. I got to tell you, man, it's really funny. As much as we fought them in court, every time I'm in a, a press briefing with him, he doesn't hesitate to call on me. He's, he's kind of got a, he's kind of got a, a, a reckless spirit that, that I admire in that sense. I yeah, I do too. <laughs> it's like the kid that can't resist putting their hand on the stove, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, he knows the, the, the dangers, uh, but he calls on you and, 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 you know, you're continuing battles to, to get in and ask questions have paid off when you asked him that question a few weeks ago or a month ago, will you, uh, you know, yeah. commit to a, what, you know, an orderly a peaceful. transition, a peaceful transition of power, uh, his answer made global headlines and now we'll see yeah and we're about and, to see and we're seeing yeah he's he, yeah that made him angry and of course our favorite association didn't they didn't like it either but hey you, you good trouble you know yeah, you're you're, you're, you're always making us. good trouble yeah and, <laughs> and you know the other thing is you, know, you as you and i are talking it's saturday morning here in la and uh early afternoon there in dc Last we heard, President Trump was golfing. Yeah. Tim O'Brien had a great tweet. He said he, he had a photo of President Trump and on the golf course, and he said, you know, his caddy broke the news to him about the election. Well, um, that's what uh, I said. I said they announced it on, on the air, and Trump's on the back nine at his right, golf course right. at the time. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 is sim it really symbolizes what, while his chief of staff has just been Diagnosed, diagnosed with COVID, with COVID. And like six, five or six other staffers. I mean, it all comes together. The and they tried to hide that from us. And they tried to hide it from, from you reporters and from the public. 
the callous disregard of health and safety and of the importance of our government uh, and to go golfing. But, but I was sitting here thinking, you know, we may never see him again. Maybe he won't even go back to the White House. For see, all I, 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 between you and I, and I, there are people who disagree with me because he does love the camera. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we will see him on camera. Like, right, right. I don't know that if we will ever see him in the briefing room mm-hmm. again, we might, we may see him on the South lawn where he will take one question or make a statement and go. Mm-hmm. But if he's lost this election and when he comes around in his mind to realizing that it's, it's done, it's over with. Um, I think he'll just check out and go. I don't think we'll ever see him in the, I don't think the Marine guard will ever be in front of the West wing again. I think he's just going to say, cause that's his way to flip the middle finger to right. the rest of the nation is like, fine. You don't like me. I'm right. out of here. Right. Yeah. I, I, I tend to agree with you. And in yeah. right now, I mean, 75 likes, days, right. It, it, which is another thing. I don't know about you, but it occurred to me that is way too long a transition period <laughs> in the modern era. Right. It should be like a week, uh, two weeks. Everybody can be ready. Two week they, notice. They, exactly. They'll You're figure the it out. president, we'll give you a month. Right, exactly. Get out of here. Exactly. <laughs> and if we need, if there's something we need your help on, we'll call you and you, know, you can tell us where the documents are, whatever we need to know. Um, I but, wonder what his, you know, traditionally presidents at the end of their tenure leave a, a letter to right. the not. I wonder what. I bet you he doesn't even bother, no. unless it's like a post-it note that says "F you." This will be the first time that the, the instead of the letter, it's a tweet, right? Yeah. That's what it's going to be like. Good luck. You know, one thing that was interesting. Loser. Yeah, right. I mean, I think I. I'm, it's sad to say it's at that level of you know crude communication. And what I thought was interesting, I, I don't think that once it became a serious threat where he saw the writing on the wall as to who was going to win he stopped calling joe biden sleepy joe you know he, yeah he did at least seem to pull back a little bit which you know it's a, it's a minor thing um well, but you know what i i found really just just scary is the the unhinged malicious statements that donald trump jr and eric trump have been making about oh. the election it's it's they're not government officials. They they are private citizens. Well, they're they're engaged. They're playing with fire. And well, you they know, could end up in prison. They 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 really they don't seem to have any conception of the real world and how citizens are supposed to act. And I, I think <laughs> well, they that, never have. They never have. They've never <laughs> been out in the world. And they're going to see um, now that this has all been exposed and that their finances have been exposed because of reporters, not the courts um it's i think it's going to be really interesting they could be cooked they could be and uh, you know keep the flame on you know (laughs) well exactly let it boil they they plunged in and 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 really just abused our governmental systems uh in ways that as you point out it's gonna it's gonna be hard to recover i think we will recover and build everything back but the one, the other thing I think that's been great that's come out of this is I mentioned, you know, lawyers, Republican and Democrats joining together, and you've seen it um, with journalists, you've seen it with uh, political figures, political um, operatives, you know, when, yep. uh, about the Lincoln Project and others. To me, 
Um, yeah, I have friends that are on the Lincoln Project. I think they're very good. They're, they're very good. And, you know, I, I despite I, what AOC said. Yeah, I think it, AOC is wrong on that. And I think yeah. she's got a lot of talent. I have a lot of admiration. <clears throat> she's got some her. growing up to do. But she's got that, that this is this is where we can change our world is where we have people of goodwill and good faith come together and and work together. That's how we, you know, we, we can we can fix this. I don't see how you build a nation if you don't work together. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, you know, candidly was hoping for a more transformational situation. We still may get a Democratic Senate with these, these runoff races. Uh, yeah. But even without it, um, I do think it, it's the right moment for someone like President-elect Biden uh, and, and Vice President-elect Harris, who, by the way, is going to be is going to be fantastic. I worked with her and you know, both against her office and with her office when she was the attorney general, she's fantastic. And she, one thing about her, she's someone who keeps her word, you know, in the, in the proposition eight marriage equality case here in California, we had litigated all the way to the Supreme court. We were winning, but we got to the U S Supreme court and marriages there was a stay on the, the, our win that would have allowed uh, same sex marriage to be reinstated in California. And the question was, if we won in the U.S. Supreme Court, when would marriages begin? There were arguments that it would, the ruling would only apply to our clients, so only our four clients could get married, no one else in California. And so, um, you know, we um, engaged in discussions with um, then Attorney General Harris, and, and she said, if, if, you, if the Supreme Court rules and, and the ruling stands, you know, I will do everything I can to help, you know, to, to open the restart and, and let marriages begin and uh the there's a movie an hbo documentary about our case called the case against state which i highly recommend but in that it, it, we the day the stay was lifted i happened to be in san francisco in another case um the governor brown announced that you know marriages could continue attorney general harris arrived at city hall to to perform the ceremony for our two of our clients that were getting married. And when the, uh, excuse me, the county clerk in Los Angeles didn't know what to do to marry our other, other clients, she got on the phone and said, you know, the marriages shall begin. And so she just came through wow. decisive, courageous. So she's going to be fantastic, both in terms of being vice president, but I think also restoring the, uh, and healing the rule of law in the United States. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hi, and we're back. I am Brian Karam, the host of Just Ask the Question. With me again is, hi, and we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with us is First Amendment attorney, Ted Boutros, a superstar in the field. Because <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> and if he, if he can win on my behalf, he can win on anybody's behalf. <laughs> you were test case. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Pushing to the limits. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I do appreciate it. <laughs> but let's talk a little. We in, in the last segment we were talking uh, about the stress that Trump has put on um, the Department of Justice and the criminal justice system as a whole, not not just the federal DOJ. What paths? What has to be done going forward? You said attorneys do want to work together to get back to the rule of law, but you're going to have some appointments from the Trump administration that are going to hang around. Do they, do they switch their mindset? Do you get rid of them? Uh, you've got, uh, you, you know, executive orders that will have to be rescinded. I mean, you've got four years of rot 
that you're going to have to cut out? How difficult is that going to be, do you think? I don't think it's going to be that difficult. First, I think the, the career professionals at the Justice Department and the FBI who were there before Donald Trump and will be there afterwards will be um, gleeful from a professional standpoint. To get well, we'll back have to, to ask them in a couple of days when they get down from their high. But right. <laughs> <laughs> there could be some law breaking going on in that respect. Uh, and they're just people who want to do their jobs or dedicated professionals, the FBI, which President Trump has trashed and, and yeah. mocked people who are just doing their jobs. So I think the, there's, there's that infrastructure that's been battered and tattered by the Trump administration, but it's still there. And then uh, I think that uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris, it's fun to say that now. It's like, yes, you're the first person is. I've said that to. Um, <laughs> Uh, both of them are lawyers. Both of them know the judicial system and the Justice Department. Um, they're the perfect people to pick just great people to run the Justice Department, to select superb judicial nominees. It's not like there's only going to be, you know, uh, picks from the Trump administration. And, and, and many of the judges that uh, Donald Trump I know a lot of them. They're 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 excellent. So I think that they they, they are a good team that coming into the White House to uh, populate the Justice Department, populate the courts, uh, the U.S. Attorney's offices around the country with excellent people uh, who will know that the people in the White House have their backs. And when I say that, I mean they'll give them independence. They will protect the rule of law. And that's what we need. And that's what lawyers, you know, that's what our whole profession is about. We're right. supposed to be, what's the law? Uh, you know, what's due process? Uh, and, and, and do our best to represent our client. That's all lawyers really want to do. Uh, President Trump has never understood that. He, didn't, he doesn't understand. He thinks lawyers and the law are just another uh, tool like bankruptcy to use to get your own way or to protect yourself. That's not, we know, you know, the rest of us know that's not. Yeah, the is. rest of us have a reality check every once in a while. Right, and he's uh, trying it one more time with this election litigation. He, he just thinks, hey, we can file lawsuits till we're blue in the face and people give up. You know, that's basically, that, that's their legal strategy right now. <laughs> that's not how it works. It doesn't work in, in the world of uh, presidential elections or government litigation. What do you think the, there is a problem. I mean, there will be an ongoing problem. We talk about trying to seek unity, but there is some divisiveness in this country. There's 70 million. Look, there are a lot of people who voted for Donald Trump and love him and will continue to love him. And how do you reach, how do you think the government reaches those people? I mean, I know it's going to be tough, but how would you do it? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I thought a lot about that. So I grew up in North Dakota. And I go back to North Dakota. My mother's 94. She's still there. A Lebanese guy in North Dakota. I still can't get over that. <laughs> and, and it's like a Lebanese guy in Kentucky. Like yeah, you, you know, so um, another red state. And so I know, you know, the people in, you know, outside of the big metropolitan areas. And, um, and I still try as a lawyer, I, I argue cases all over the country. Um, I think there's a, there's a way to, to get us back to, um, civil discourse and that, that can persuade people. You know, I was on a plane early in the Trump administration, um, sitting next to a guy who was flying back from uh, Arkansas you know, through, through Dallas. And the 
guy next to me who's probably in his you know mid 60s we started talking and he said you know um he and his wife were big supporters of donald trump and and they, they were just very excited this was in 2016 because it was going to be a business person in the White House, and it just they they became excited about about it. And I was, and so we started talking about it. And he said, now he wasn't so sure because, you know, the Muslim ban, all these other things had happened. But he said, you know, people would, when they found out that he and his wife were supporting Donald Trump and still were, that they were sort of felt ostracized. And so I think, yeah. And so we talked, and and I think that there's that there was that component even this year where people don't like to feel that they're, they're mocked and denigrated and admit they made a, you know, maybe they made a big mistake. And so we talked, we went back and forth and when we were done, um, this guy's like a business guy, you know, but he, he, um, he, so he said, you know, I usually don't talk to people on planes, but you know, you listen to me and, and, and then he gave me a hug, you know? And I told him I was an arch opponent of Donald Trump that I thought he was terrible for America, but I wanted to know what he thought. And so, you know, I do think, I think we can get there. And, and uh, Vice President, um, the, the, you know, President-elect Biden uh, is a person who is empathetic. He, he will understand that people make decisions about who they support and what, what they support for different reasons. And um, so I think we can get there. I'm, I'm I, I have faith that we can too. I mean, you know, we sit here talking about that and there's one tenet that, um, you have defended me on, and and I think if you listen to to the saying behind it, you know the First Amendment. I may disagree with what you say, but will defend to death your right to say it. We had a little bit more respect for each other in that regard. I should think that we we could be able to talk about anything and and work together to solve problems. Um, it's off. I I find that now. Look, I I find that there are certain people in the White House press corps that I think are, you know full of it. But that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be there. I'm, I'm never fighting to exclude anyone. I know it's been popular. What's OAN doing there? Or what's Fox doing there? Or Breitbart or Newsmax or any of these, you know, and the, even the Epic Times, the Epoch Times. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, They're there. They get called on. I don't, I don't care. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of nice to me to get it. The, I get that take the temperature of oh that's how crazy crazy is <laughs> it makes you look it makes you look normal yeah you know? it makes it, hey. <laughs> but it but it does give you an idea of of so i don't you know i don't want them out i just don't want me out right I, no it, i agree i agree and, and that is a you know the fundamental core of the first amendment that it, we're not afraid of words and we're not afraid of speech we're not afraid to hear what other people think and indicating that you're willing to listen. You know, I, again, my, my career, you know, I worked with a lot of Republicans. My mentor, Ted Olson was, you know, a Republican legend. I hung out with, you know, Republicans and Democrats and, and I agree with things both say, you know, and so yeah, me too. one of the, and, 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 and so I think that your, your point is a good, one. We, we need to engage and not be enemies. And, you know, you see it in a lot, it never ceases to amaze me how, two brilliant lawyers or two brilliant justices who have read all the same things, who have the same legal principles they must apply, can completely disagree on an issue. You know, right. it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. But how as, long as, they, as long as they acknowledge 
the same facts. Right. Exactly. That's, that's all I, I really have a modest goal in life. And that is, can we accept, you know, the earth is round. Yes. The Holocaust occurred. Right. Climate change is real. And then, right. you know, move on from from the if we get the, the sun rises in the east if we get the, you know coronavirus does not have a national not nationality it's just yes a virus i totally agree we need that you put your finger on another big uh fatality in the yeah. Trump administration just the basic facts the truth and and i think we you are absolutely we, we need to get back to just you know not denying the undeniable confronting the actual facts I mean, it started with, it started during the 2016 campaign. Sean Spicer then got us off to the races with the, um, with the I was there. crowd size, you know, and then we had the alternative facts from, I was there uh, from Kellyanne Conway. And, and that's, that's been the, the, the world we've lived in where we all know what the facts are, but nobody, the, yeah. The, no, but then, yeah, exactly. There's another side. They're just living in an alternative universe. And so, and Fox News has, has contributed and, and others. And so, yeah, we need to all just get back to hear the facts. Now we can agree what to do about them. Well, that would be nice. I'd love to do that. <laughs> it would be good. It, it would be very good. And I think, you know, the, um, there's in some ways, you know, from the Democrat side, going back to your point about how do we engage the rest of the country or more broadly, um, you know, as a lawyer, I represent a lot of uh, businesses and companies in business disputes too. And I think one of the places where the Democrats really could um, improve their position and, and up their game and engage with the country is to stop trashing corporations for the sake of corporations. Because when you do that, um, yes. you're, you're, the people who you, are voters, they work for those companies. They love those companies. They, yeah. that's, their, that's who they are. And so, you know, can, can you push for fair, you know, compensation for employees? Can we, can we, you know, push companies to pay more taxes or to do things and act socially responsible? Absolutely. But to just say corporations are evil, they're terrible, and, you know, um, they're, they're bad, that's just, you're saying all those people who, you know, well, our identities are tied up with our jobs. Well, and... And while corporations, and look, I'm not going to defend, you know, some of the nasty things that corporations have done, but if, if, you, if you don't recognize some of the things that they've done that are good, I don't know how you, I mean, what's your alternative? It, it, I, it, exactly. It's, the, it's that thinking in absolutes that, that bothers me. It's when the right thinks in absolutes, socialism, bad, and Cuban right. Americans responded in Florida, socialism, bad, Castro. And not never realizing that you, you don't you have to define that term right. I mean, streets, roads, uh, hospitals, schools, all of those could be social security. You right. Know, right. All these things that we like could be labeled as thus. And then if you come out and on the other side and go, corporations, bad, evil empire, you're speaking in absolutes on both sides. And the middle is ignored. And I think that's where most people sit. I think, you know, some people have a few more uh, liberal opinions than others. Some have a few more conservative, but they all have a mixture of those opinions. And, and if we're just going to go to the extremes, we're never going to find, I don't think we'll, we'll, it'll be impossible to find common ground. I, tot I totally agree. And, and like you said, you can, it, it's one thing to say, you know, gee, 
corporations, companies, you could do this better. Or, you know, you're, you know, I disagree with how you're doing this and, and, you know, we should have laws that require this and that fine. Um, but to just demonize each uh, other makes each other and, and corporations have actually, um, you know, if you look through history, they have really more recently become uh, stalwart on things like corporate responsibility, uh, social ju justice, racial justice, LGBT issues. Um, it's a new world. So, you know, let's engage. Does that mean right. that the, the, the law can't be you know, looked at and, and you have a debate about it? Of course not. But I just think that's another area where, again, you're, you'll see, uh, you know, that in the Democratic Party, there's, a, there's more of a division that, that, but okay, fine. So other people may disagree with what I just said. Fine. But let's at least go back and forth and see what makes the most sense. <laughs> Hi, and we're back with First Amendment attorney, uh, Ted Boutros. I am Brian Caramon. It is just ask the question. And so, Ted, I'm just going to ask you, you can't get out of this without <laughs> a little bit of fun. Uh, so who's, who's out of all the, uh, you know, I asked this of, of many people, famous people or celebrities that you've met, who is your favorite? What an interesting question. I, you know, I have to say um, that President Obama, I found extremely impressive um he just when he hearing him speak and and make the case recently reminded me you know he's he's i think a year younger than me and to see someone that and he's a lawyer and he's you know he, i he, i just find him incredibly impressive and i met him you know a couple times and one time in a you know kind of a hour-long discussion session and i just i just find him to be a you know really remarkable Person, you, you have know? liked to have met that you didn't get a chance to meet. That's another good question. Um, I guess I, you know, I did. I never really had a chance to to talk with Justice O'Connor, you know, right. and, that, and from a Supreme Court standpoint, I, I, I when I the first time I argued in the court, she had already left the court, um, and for some reason, I've never had a chance to really talk to her and engage with her, and and. You know, again, you just we sort of jump over these historic figures. You know, she's the first woman Supreme Court justice. It didn't happen until 1981 or whatever. You know. Right. Um, and she it turned. It was a it was a great justice. And so uh, I never really had a. She would have been someone again, sort of looking at it from the political, the political world. Um, you know, and in, in terms of outside that world, you know. Um, I'm a big fan of um, you know, literature and, and, and the like. Uh, I did get to meet, you know, in, in um, I was partly, I think I, you've heard me talk about this uh, in college, there was a writer's conference. So I, I was able to meet and hang out with a lot of, you know, just literary legends. And that was great because, you know, you, you, you can learn a lot in a very short time. With those folks. <laughs> yeah, they'll drink and talk all night long. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so who, who'd you meet that you liked that time? Well, you know, uh, it was, it was really wild. So everybody from uh, you know, uh, 
Susan Sontag to Grace Paley, wow. Frederick Exley. I think we've wow. talked about Fred Exley, who's, you know, yeah. fans notes remains, you know, just one of the wildest books and in, in stories you could ever, you know, uh, Edward Albee came and, you know, talked and, and it was, it was great. It was, you'd, you'd get to, you'd hang out, you know, the, the little cocktail parties and, and as a, you know, 20 year old, it, it was really, yeah, it really affected me, you know, even though I ended up not being a writer. So, um, you know, <laughs> well, you're a lawyer, so you're a writer. We write a lot. Yeah. <laughs> someone pointed out, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a little different, but, but we do get to do a lot of writing. That's, you know, <laughs> you, you talked a little bit about the Supreme court. My grandmother was only, I think, I think it was second or third woman to ever plead a case before the U S Supreme court. Um, and really? she, yeah, I remember my my uncles uh, used to say, and, and what she was most worried about was what hat she would wear. Uh, so, <laughs> but she had a saying about lawyers. She said, lawyers are just failed writers. <laughs> it, it's well, you know, it, and the, your lawyers and, and writers and journalists have a lot in common, you know, because yeah. you tell a story. Um, you know, I've learned with, a, a preferably lot of, with facts, with facts <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and, and you want it to be compelling. Um, and, you know, lawyers and journalists have a, a tremendous amount in, in common because you're investigating your, the facts, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out what happened. And then sometimes if you're like you, you're, you do opinion columns as well as reporting, you're trying to persuade people. And right. so um, it really was a good place for me to be. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> well, we're the court of last resort, as they say. Yes, exactly. There are a lot of investors in, I, you know, I made you know, for many years was an investigative reporter. And uh, I remember some of the stuff that we investigated uh, were often used in courts in a couple of cases. Um, and I always found it like, you know, as I was the first time I, I was <clears throat> sat on a witness stand for something that I had, or maybe it was the second time I'd sat on the witness stand for something I had written. I remember a, a ACLU attorney uh, who was uh, questioning me and said, um, you know, why don't you give me your information? I go, hey, you've got the power of subpoena. <laughs> why are you coming to me? That's exactly. I, you did it without subpoena. You know, hey, you can make these. <laughs> it's, it's a big difference. And, you know, and, and at the same time, you know, that's one of the reasons we need a good reporter shield law. And, and oh, I agree because you don't want lawyers using reporters as their font of information, because then uh, sources won't talk to the reporters. I have tried for years to get a, uh, and have worked with Jamie Raskin and even guess who was with him on that was Jim Jordan. The last time they tried to introduce a national shield law. I think how far we've come. Shield laws all over, you know, in many states, but there is a need for a national shield law. Uh, I think there would be less of a need for one if we actually respected the First Amendment, but we have no teeth in that. Whereas a shield law, there are ways, you know, like there's a, a three-way uh, test to determine whether or not you can get beyond my promise of confidentiality. And so anything that can help prevent reporters going to jail or, you know, people using the Espionage Act to, to go after whistleblowers, I'm all for. I, I think maybe that's something coming, coming soon. You know, I, you know, Mike Pence was, was, was for it, yes. right? And yes, he was. 15 years ago. Uh, and it just shows you how, how the discourse has gotten so off track that, you know, members of Congress and the Senate and Mike Pence, they, they, they 
now appear to be sometimes raving lunatics when, you know, 10 years ago, six years ago, they were close to Lindsey Graham, Lindsey. Right. <clears throat> yeah. That's, yeah we're coming back. Normalcy is coming back. Oh, God bless you. I hope so. Your, your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Last question for you. You and your wife have a perfect weekend plan. You're getting away. You're on the desert island with a picnic. What's what, what music's playing and, and uh, what's on what's on the menu? Well, that's another good question. So probably, you know, some some good wine, probably some Chardonnay and maybe a little Cabernet. Um, probably see what music would I want under those circumstances? I, I, I tend to probably go with a little funk, maybe a little brick, you know, <laughs> that sounds good, you know. Barry kind White. Of seven, yeah, Barry, <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, and, you know, and maybe maybe some, uh, you know, uh, you know, just light fare. You know, <laughs> a little, a little cold chicken. You know, there Man, you you're go. making me want to go. You know, yes. that sounds wonderful. Well, as soon as the lockdown's over here, let's <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, I also I want to check out this. Um, there's, I guess, Willie Nelson has got he's got a new uh, uh, tune with another singer and it's I, I just saw it so i've got to check it out yeah everything's being released these days online you know and uh, i haven't bought a, a record or even a cd in years it's it's fantastic on, I mean, download it all online it's all there yeah but you know the thing i miss album cover photos i miss yes. the album cover art Absolutely. that was that was half the fun i <laughs> still have all my albums in the other room oh yeah what's your favorite <laughs> I still, I've got the, the kind of the full Beatles collection. Ah. And, the, you know, the if you take the covers and the lyrics and the music, it's hard to beat. Ah, the Beatles. All right. Beatles or Stones? Beatles. John or I Paul? I like the Stones. I like the Stones. I do too. Yep. John or Paul? I'm probably a John guy. Yeah. But I like, again, I, you know. I'll, I thought, I always thought the whole was greater than the sum of the parts. Yes, exactly. That's and, how it always and, is. Yeah, and I, I mean George Harrison, I loved something. I think mm -hmm. his contributions on Abbey Road were probably the he had two of the best songs on that album, something and uh, um, what was the other one? Uh, oh, something and, and uh, one that he wrote after Eric uh, um, Sunshine. Ah, oh, shit, I'm getting old. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Here comes the sun. Yeah, oh, that's a very. <laughs> Yeah, you know, in, in you know the the Beatles are you know kind of a, a miracle in the sense that you had these you know four people come together who were different. Great song title come together. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that, they should have done that. Oh, they did. Yeah, <laughs> you know that was that was actually speaking of that was a um, John wrote that as a campaign slogan for somebody running for governor in California. Really? Yeah, I think it was Timothy Leary. I, that, that sounds yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> he would have been terrific. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, that's a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But that's a great song. But yeah, Beatles, absolutely. I thought they were uh, at the moment in time were probably as as explosive as it got in the music. And they, you know, they went past. They were cultural. They were music. They invented whole reams of rock and roll and music that we still listen to today. And um, you know, anybody who says give peace a chance, it's all right in my book. It's a good message. And, you know, they were a global phenomenon that continue to affect us till this day. Yeah. I have, a, I have a question for you. Sure. So are you today, now it's about 1.30 Eastern time, 
are you going to go down to the White House where there's a huge crowd out in the front? Is that what yeah. you're next? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to shower, shave, put on the suit, head downtown, see if the president decides to talk. <laughs> I'm going to tune in. I'll be looking for you. I, I'm, I'm almost betting he doesn't. He, he went out. I, I know he likes to talk, but I think he'll suffice himself with tweeting today i i could be wrong i you know i i i was wrong the other day i didn't think he'd come out and he did and you know i the last question i may have ever gotten to ask him as a president is are you delusional <laughs> it's a good question yeah that's i might ask you know actually i really only have one question left to ask him um after everything that's gone down and what he's tweeted out and the whole election it's just have you no shame, Mr. President? Have you no sense of decorum at all? And anyone who works around him who lived in that bubble and still do, I, I wonder when they're going to extricate themselves from it and what they're, you know, some of the younger kids who work for him always thought he could just will everything into existence. Mm -hmm. that whatever he said, he could make happen. And that's not the way the world works. And after four years of it, there are, I, I also think there are members of the press who had never covered a, a president before who don't understand and still don't understand this isn't normal. <laughs> By any stretch of the imagination, it's not even close to being normal. It, it is so far over the top beyond reasonableness. You're absolutely right. And, and I, I will listen for you to see if you can get that question. <laughs> if anybody can do it, it's you. You know, I'll be yelling it <laughs> from the we'll back of the you. room, from the back of the room where I've been banished with OAN. <laughs> you need a little bullhorn. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I took lessons from the Sam Donaldson school of, of yelling questions. You, you I'm are quite all right. <laughs> well, keep it up. Yeah. And look, it was a pleasure to come back anytime. I, I love it. This is really nice to talk with you, Brian, as always. Yeah. Big day. It's a good day for America. Yes, it is. Congratulations to America. The name of the show is Just Ask the Question. Thank you for joining us. We'll catch you next time.